You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Today, part one of the Oyster Diaries. We will discuss Merois. First up, Jake Puffer, an oyster farmer whose dad was one of the pioneers of the Wellfleet brand. So I'm sitting today with Jake Puffer, and uh, he's an oyster farmer. Super happy to get him. I come up to Wellfleet uh, 15 years now, and as you know, I like to pair wine with my guests. So today we are doing Amistoy Chocoli. Uh, so this wine was picked today because it is heavily influenced by the Atlantic Ocean, and my guest Jake, who lives in Wellfleet and is an oyster farmer, like I said, his life and his product oysters are definitely heavily influenced by the Atlantic Ocean. So um, these vineyards actually uh, dump into the Bay of Biscay, and the vineyards, if you're standing there, look like they disappear into the ocean. It's pretty crazy. Um, so because of that, Jake was saying he was loving it because there is a kind of saltiness to the wine. Or Oh, yeah, yeah, it's delicious, and mm-hmm. I'm super happy to be here. Yeah, it's great. It's got a little spritz to it. It's a natural CO2. Um, so I've been eating my weight in oysters for many, many years. And I was just telling Jake that when people say, where are you going for a vacation? I say, I'm going up to Wellfleet and I'm going to shuck oysters for two weeks. And that's just kind of my joke of like, because I do eat so many oysters up here. But I also know that lots of people love oysters, but don't really know where they come from or how they're birthed or what it's really about. And so we're going to discuss this a little bit. And so why don't you start, just tell us like, the birth of an oyster. Yeah, so um, oysters are broadcast spawners. What we do is we create an environment to catch them. They're like these plastic discs that we dip in a solution of lime sand and cement. Mm-hmm. We put them out. They dry. We put them out in the uh, water in July, and we catch the little baby oysters. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how, uh, you know, we that really starts to farm off, and it, and it makes our business uh, self-sustainable. And so, uh, so you are second generation. So tell us the start of this, because Wellfleet is a town of about three thousand people that swells to about twenty thousand during yeah. the summer. So, like, your dad does this how long ago? Uh, he's been doing it for about forty years. Right. So, yeah. what was it like then? Uh, it was like the wild, wild west. Oh. You know, you just there is no regulations, and that's one of the biggest difference. You could you could just go out, get wild oysters, and and gather them up and put them on your bed and let them grow out and you could bring stuff up from Connecticut and mm. and take those oysters and finish them off in Wellfleet. It, it was just a very different time. When he first started out, he basically just threw oysters in the back of his truck and drove from restaurant to restaurant. And now it's just so regulated where um, we have to tag each bag. We have to go through a wholesaler, tons of paperwork. It's right. just a whole different... Um, so that was like back in the Willie Loman days. <laughs> yeah. Almost like door to door. Here's a sample. And, did, and probably, yeah, that, probably well, brought Willie samples. Willie Loman, I think, is uh, right. before my time. Right. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> Not before your dad's time. Not before my we dad's time. We have to be about the same age. Yeah, I yeah. Imagine. So, yeah, when he started out, there wasn't, there wasn't just the same um, environment of oysters now. Now uh, everybody and their mother's growing oysters. They're, they're in every coastal town, which is great. I mean, a, a rising tide raises all boats it's Mm -hmm. great for us wellfleet has such a strong brand but it's really it's just interesting now um it's almost like well it's almost like it's like wine where they before wellfleets were the gold standard and that was it and now there's just uh oyster Mm. bars everywhere right so uh 
let's talk a little bit about, say, the difference between your oyster beds and somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And basically, we're talking about, well, which we'll talk about in a little bit, miroir, which is the, the terroir of the sea, basically. So what, what gives uh, the puffer oysters their uniqueness? What is it about the tidal waves and the, and the pull of the moon. And um, uh, so let's talk about that because sure, that's sure, something yeah, yeah. only just, you can enlighten us yeah, on. Yeah, no. And I'll just take a step back from there mm-hmm. for a second sure. because, um, you know, you go to an oyster bar and you see Wellfleet's on the menu. You mm-hmm. see Blue Points, you see Duxbury, you see Hog Island, you see all these different types of brands. And um, even within uh, Wellfleet itself, there's a lot of different habitats that, that will create different types of oysters. So, you know, you have some areas that are um, within Wellfleet that are a salt marsh, so that might create a different type of oyster. You have an area that's more like a sandy beach, and then you have where we are, which is like somewhere in, be- in between. Mm-hmm. We have a huge tidal flush, um, a deep water bed. They grow beautiful on the bottom, and a, and a bottom oyster is probably the best oyster. And, and why is that? So talk about the tidal... Uh... Yeah, so, you know, every day, twice a day, Mm -hmm. um, low tide happens. And depending on the phase of the moon, it's either a really big tide, which we call big tide, which means the water goes way out, right? or or not so good tide, and we're standing up to our waist on our farm. And and the other thing about our farm is uh, where we are, it's a really great place for food. For some reason, the way Wellfleet shaped on Cape Cod, how Great Island kind of points down. If you look at the arm of Cape Cod, there's kind of a little you know, where Wellfleet Harbor comes out, there's kind of like a little uh, point there. And within that, it seems like all the food kind of gets swept up in there. So it uh, it helps the oysters grow great. I think that's one of the reasons that makes Wellfleet so unique. Mm. So if, uh, like tasting wine, uh, lots of times we, uh, for me, when I'm looking for wine or finding wine, uh, which I do, I do a lot of blind tasting and I can sometimes tell, oh, I know what this is, I know what that is. Is it that specific that you can tell that, oh, this is from this part of Wellfleet or this is uh, somebody that I know and their oysters taste different yeah. than ours for some reason? Sort of. I think in general, Wellfleet oysters and, and, and Cape Cod oysters, in gen- uh, Cape Cod oysters too, mm-hmm. they'll have sort of a salty upfront mm-hmm. and a sweet finish. Now with our oysters, because they're deep water, because they're mostly grown on the ground, they have those flavors but they really pack a punch right it's like really just amped up you got that really briny up front and you got a nice sweet finish mm-hmm. and it kind of leaves this like lingering aftertaste that just makes you want to go back for more and uh that really makes wealthy oysters unique they're, they're a great starter oyster right if you're gonna be if you're gonna try oysters i would say start with wealthy and then maybe try some other varieties actually the most similar oysters i've tried to uh our region to Wellfleet's is um, in New Zealand. Huh. Yeah, I went to Waiheke Island. Right. I think I'm saying that right. right. Right off the coast of Auckland. Right. When I graduated, I knew I was just going to pick wild oysters, and that's what I was doing at the time. I, I didn't have it involved on the grant so much. I was I was actually picking wild oysters. Perfect segue. Let's take yeah. a sip and talk about yeah, sure. the difference between wild, farmed uh, oysters, and let's touch back again on... Uh, the better oysters being at the bottom uh, of the water. Uh, yeah. So what? So farmed versus wild. Wellfleet's one of the few places that actually has a wild oyster industry still. A lot of the places have just been totally overfished and not repopulated. There's a big effort now um, to 
keep it sustainable. I guess I guess there, people have always tried to keep it sustainable, but um, there's definitely a, a greater focus in Wellfleet now to make sure that there's wild oysters. Now it, it's all regional, so so I'll I'll explain grants. Grants are basically yeah, okay. a leased area from the town. The town gives you gives you its plots. A lot of them in Wellfleet were given out in the seventies before aquaculture even got popular. In other towns, you can still get a grant, which is basically just a plot of land in the water that you have exclusive rights to farm. And so, are you leasing it or do you own it? Leasing it. Ten year okay. leases in Wellfleet. Okay. So around every and then basically every other area outside the grants are wild oyster areas. Some are more productive than others. Some, they culch, which is uh, they dump sea clam shells to help catch the baby oysters. Right. So they can build the reef and people can go out there and grab them. Right. When I was, when I was growing up, that's basically what I did. I went out with my basket and my oyster knife and uh, harvested wild oysters. And, and, and you're, allowed a, you're allowed a bushel, right. which is uh, a good amount, you know, if you're a high school kid and you're trying to make some money and so what's a bushel what does it make you does it make you 50 bucks 75 dollars like 200 oh that's yeah, money. It's about 400 oysters back then it was like 50 cents a piece so that's... yeah it was good in the day go out there for six hours what's your production like now how many oysters are you getting a week um and yes. then let's tie this into a vintage of some wine bad vintage like in chablis they're you know with that hail uh, a third of their production half their production can be done and they only have 50% of their product to sell. Huge economic hit. Does that happen in oysters? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. totally. Um, luckily, where we are, the location's a little more resilient mm-hmm. to, um, I guess, acts of nature. But one of the most devastating things in Wellfleet is the ice. Mm-hmm. We, we plant a lot around that. So if you have a nice bottom crop and, right. and you've had those oysters growing for a year down there and they're all ready to be harvested and you get a really bad winter, you get some icebergs the size of trucks and they'll come and clean the bottom right out. It'll look like a new sandy beach where really? tons and, so, and tons of oysters, I mean hundreds of thousands that could just wipe out. When I saw you speak earlier, you were saying that uh, you you were next to an iceberg that you shot and put on Instagram mm-hmm. and, pe- and it was huge yeah. and people started calling you. Yeah, and like news stations started calling you. Oh, totally. Yeah, right? it's like icebergs in Wellfleet. I mean, of course, we've had ice ice before, but right. it was uh, it was really something. And yeah, a lot of the, especially the wild oyster areas, and people people try to haul all their stuff out, get all their gear out, but sometimes they get caught. So the ice can just be super devastating to an oyster farmer. So give us what you normally would do in a in a, in a good vintage, a good year. Yeah, like so, how many oysters do you? So it's different for us because we've been growing. Every year we increase our production, but every year is different. One year we got this like invasive red seaweed that just smothered our oysters and killed, you know, a couple, maybe a couple hundred thousand. Right. Another year we got shredded by the ice. In terms of production, we do about fifteen to twenty thousand a week. Right. Every week, year round. Year round. Year round. Okay. Yeah, fifty-two weeks a year we try, but um, sometimes if we if we get a cold winter, you know, we'll be we'll be shut down for a little while. And without getting too personal, like because I know in New York, uh, I I love oysters, so I eat a dozen oysters. Uh, in New York, on an average, there are three fifty to three seventy five per oyster. So I always laugh to myself. It's like, wow, I just had a fifty dollar appetizer, yeah, uh, with tax. So, and I love oysters. I mean, to me, uh, the health benefit to oysters, which I love, you sell them for fifty cents an oyster. Yeah, around there. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's a very good living. Yeah. And and so where do you fall in the scale of 
other like are you considered a small producer, a medium producer, or a large producer? Within Wellfleet, um, I guess we're a pretty good size. There, there's quite a few other farmers I could probably list. You know, fifteen that, mm-hmm. that do probably similar numbers. Um, and then you know it makes Wellfleet unique because there's also the guy that will go out there and pick his bushel every day, right? right. And he'll have and, mm-hmm. and that will be his business. Or there's smaller farms that do that right. do less. And it's such a growing industry that I think people are in a similar situation where we haven't really leveled off to the mm-hmm. amount of space we're allotted because right. it's it's almost impossible to get more space. You just you just can't do it. Right. It's not like it's up for sale. You just you kind of got to work with what you have. So. But on the flip, you're not having the same problems like you know cod fishermen are having, or you know uh, tuna fishermen are having, you know, uh, in Japan, where there's like there's a sh- shortage, and people are concerned that there's not enough fish, and we're overfishing. Oysters are they just continue? It's yeah, kind and of there's dot, an dot, abundance, dot, yeah. and you know it goes year to year. You have a hard winter; people might mm-hmm. feel the effects right throughout the whole industry. But right. in terms of Oysters, yeah, they're they're a crop. You know, you you buy the seed. It's a it's a short turnaround. It's a year to two years mm. for us, which is which is really fast. So, um, you have a devastating year. It's a, it's a quick bounce back. Right. So, for how, how many oyster farmers are there in Wellfleet? Uh, probably, Roughly. I mean, uh, probably about a hundred farmers. Yeah, there's hundred wow. different leases. Okay. Yeah. See, wow. Wellfleet kind of wanted to break it. As I was telling you before, Wellfleet wanted to break it up and uh, have a lot of different a lot of different people involved rather than just have one big business. You mm-hmm. go to Connecticut or Virginia and some of these farms are the size of Wellfleet. And it kind of makes Wellfleet unique because we are a brand. We aren't just some, we aren't just, we are individual companies and, and people mm-hmm. do brand themselves, but it's also, we're, we're in this together. We're a region. Right. And I'll tell you if I, I can bring it back to wine. Uh, Cause I have to, <laughs> <laughs> it is my business. I'm not a waste of farmer. Um, what's interesting is that the wine world is seeing an explosion of people who are very conscious about uh, buying wine and drinking wine from small farms, mm-hmm. small, smaller vineyards. Very much reminds me of Barolo in that like you had uh, – at one point I would be in Piedmont and I would talk to Elio Altare and I would talk to other Barolo producers and they were more promoting Barolo than their individual brand. And I think that's uh, what you should be doing because that – you know, like you said – the, you know, the rising tide. Um, everybody should be helping each other. I mean, Wellfleet oysters are amazing. Everybody should be talking about how those, as opposed to their individual brand. I mean, of course, your brand is important. I mean, puffer petites are. Yeah, are, yeah, are of known, course, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's great to have to be an oyster farmer and have a brand that people already know, and it's it makes it so much easier than than starting out in some small farm where you get a plot of land and they've never grown oysters before and and you're trying to market these oysters from a different town, a different area where Wellfleet, everybody knows it. And Mm. I think the farmers really realize that and they, and they look to protect the brand and they all work and we all work together to, to sell great oysters and people love them. And that's, that's one of the joys of doing it because people are really, really into them. I was super happy uh, on my vacation to be up here and say I've got to find out some oyster stuff uh, and uh, interview uh, Jake who I saw speaking and I'm like i got to grab this guy and, for the podcast and so if you're up in Wellfleet uh, you know have some Wellfleet oysters and look for the uh, Puffer Petites yep yep um, yeah, you can look in your uh, local restaurant the... if, if they don't have them you can ask for them yeah and uh, 
if you're up in Wellfleet, uh, look them up. Uh, but I want to thank Jake for coming. And uh, I thought the wine today was briny and salty mm, and delicious. Uh, delicious. And we've knocked off the whole bottle. Uh, and the other good thing about chocolate, it's only like 12% alcohol. So, as uh, you know, I, I like to say when I'm cooking, I can knock back a bottle of this and I don't hit the table singing pirate songs, which makes my wife very, very happy. <laughs> I want to thank Jake, Jake Puffer for uh, being here and talking to me today. Next, we're off to visit the flats, an actual oyster farm to meet the very colorful Johnny Clams. Hey, so I'm uh, sitting here in the oyster beds with uh, Johnny Clams. Uh, Johnny Clams, so tell us where the name came from, and then, then you can give me the quick tour. We just had, it was during a period where we just had too many Johnnies <laughs> running around, <laughs> around, the, yeah, 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 around the harbor, so we had to uh, differentiate, but um, it's been a great nickname, and it's been a great life. Right. I gotta so, tell you, you you have one of the most interesting faces. You you look like you work out on the beach every day. Uh, you look like you work hard for a living, and you're the marshal here. And I'm sure this is the guy you don't want to fuck with. <laughs> well, actually, I'm, I'm you know being coming from sort of a fishing background, um, I'm not the best law enforcement officer. Um, I'm 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 really good at, at at you know showing up early and staying late, but. Um, I'm effective, but it's not my first love. Um, this this year, my job description has changed to the propagation specialist. Right. What makes Wellfleet oysters unique? Okay, what you got in Wellfleet? For one thing, we you know the, Wellfleet has always had wild oysters. You know, prior to shellfish farming right. and the hatchery oysters, which is what we're doing out here right, right. now, Wellfleet has always had a self-sustaining uh, population of wild oysters. So, in the sense of Cape Cod Bay, um, for example... In what are we Bo- looking at here, right? We're looking at Great Island here. Right. And what you got is, you got... It, it's absolutely beautiful. Right. And it, what Great Island is, is I, I forgot how many miles I... I know the trail is six miles out there, but you got that beautiful island that's managed by the National Park Service, so there's no homes on it. Okay, so, uh, you know, you have a, you know, bordering your harbor, you have some tremendous wild areas that are sort of untrammeled by, by, uh, by septic systems and human development. And um, I, was, I was over on the island yesterday, and I have to tell you, I was shocked at how the water was just teeming with crabs and minnows and fish. And, I mean, the water's pristine here. That's yes. got to be part of it, right? Yes, yes. Well, we enjoy um, a, a tremendous flush. Right. So you were talking about the Wellfleet brand of oyster and what makes it special well we just looked at great island right we just talked about that tremendous flush right you referenced all the bottom life that you saw teeming right as well were we to go out in a boat or something you'd notice the water had a real green yellow hue right and that's phytoplankton that's the food for oysters so it's appropriate that we're standing in this zone on this bed right because that over there is the herring river right okay which is an influx of fresh water right and also there's the species, the two kinds of marsh grasses right. are in abundance that are there. And you have another area, bottom Blackfish Creek, you know, right. you're driving south on the highway. Right. Okay, and that grass is, is important to our system in that, to just simplify it, like any grass, it sort of dies in the winter. Right. Okay, and that grass becomes like a compost. And that, when the water hits 50 degrees, that's one of the feeds for the phytoplankton, for the algae bloom. Right. But this is a positive algae bloom. It's not the negative algae blooms right. you run around. So, um, so this is what makes these 
uh, unique is this you have a freshwater flow you have this uh, phytoplankton yes. and it's different so we were joking uh, when I saw you speak yes. about the miroir the terroir terroir the terroir yeah, I'm not uh, miroir yeah. I know miroquois I don't yeah. know yeah. I know jamiroquois yeah, I know how to do it yeah okay. I can't do it but I, I, I know it yeah so that's Okay, so, I mean, the last time I ate any oysters from any place else right. was a very long time ago. Right. And it wow, was in, okay. it, it was in um, sort of at Barnstable Harvest's uh, right. first aquacultural harvest. Right. And a bunch of us who had been, been doing this in Wellfleet ate some, and we noticed a lot of salt. Right. Okay? So salt is a very big part of, of, of what makes... An oyster, oyster so toothsome. The yeah. example I'll use is we had some researchers here from Chesapeake Bay. Right. And the guys in Virginia had had an appreciable amount of salinity. Right. And their oysters were shocked for the half-shell market. Over in Maryland, right. they had much more fresh water. Right. So much less salinity. So much less so that the, that, that the, uh, the application for their oysters was shocked salted and then fried wow. fried so this yeah. was you know this was thing so what we have is we have plenty of salinity you have the brine yeah, yeah the brine is there yeah. but somewhere right. in there there's a bit uh, of sweetness that and again i do not have a sophisticated palate <laughs> and uh um yeah i'm but sure you do this daily i, I, I do this daily right. i do this daily right. so the, you know, the, but the oysters are very much of this place. Are people harvesting oysters every day? Yes. Okay. Yes. The only day we take off is Christmas. Hey, and then right. there's there's a number of other things. If right. the temperature goes below 28 degrees in the winter, right. we shut the fishery down. Right. And that's to protect. Right. Yeah, it's not in, and nothing about human health. Right. That's to protect the health of the juvenile oysters right. before they get sick. So, yeah. What are we looking at here? I see. Right now, yeah. Right now, you're looking at these wire boxes. Right. Okay. Um, call them a credenza. I mean, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> right. like your draw. Yeah, that's okay? true. Like okay. a draw. And in each one of these, okay, there is 2,500 oysters. Wow. Okay. So, and uh, I can't really show you. But I, we just put them out last week, right. and, they, I, and, uh, and they've already grown about a quarter inch. Wow. Okay, if you look over here, right. okay, these are oysters where that was done with in late June. And you can see how big they are. Yeah, yeah. They've already so what happened is we broke the density down. So we started at about, we started, this batch we started at a little over 1,000, and we're breaking them down to 335 per bag, right. which is at the high end of grow-out density. So, um, and that's part of our challenge here. And you're just, you're basically like, this, this is a nursery. You're watching these oysters grow up. Watching these right? oysters grow and trying to make the conditions so they keep growing. Okay. Okay, there's some, you know, different people believe in it in different ways, but I'm a believer in stunting. Right. So if you, either by overcrowding, or allowing the containers to become fouled or covered with seaweed, right. you are slowing down growth. Right. In this business, the three things you can manage for are density. Right. Okay, you mm -hmm. can re you know keep the density at a good grow out level. Right. Predation. Right. You keep the predators off, and we right. primarily have crabs and a little noxious little snail called the oyster drill as right. our primary predators. Okay. Okay, and then you can manage for you know, you know fouling. Right. Okay, you can keep the bags clean. You can keep them you know at what. Give them room to grow, right. and you can keep the, the 
the predators off them. That's what you can do. Okay, okay if you were a terrestrial farmer, you're talking about wine, even right. in a vineyard, right. and you had a fungus or something pests, like that. We have fungus, absolutely. Yes. There's right. nothing right. like that out yeah. here. Right. All right. For one thing, even if you had something, the remember that the oysters are closed up, clammed up, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you could spray right. them with something; it wouldn't get to them. Right. So, okay. So, so, uh, so that being said, so clam guy it. or oyster guy for yourself. Uh, well, I'm, I'm in Wellfleet. Yes, yeah. Uh, I do. I like them both. Okay. I, I, I'll admit, I, uh, I usually only eat them in the winter. Right. And okay. that's kind of kind of time right. and, and just the way I live. Right. But uh, I would encourage people um, to uh, to eat them in the winter because it's a little bit different. Um, right. For one thing, they've uh, they've fed up and they're dormant. Right. So it seems to me. That the liquid in there, that you know, the, the liquid that's yeah, the, the yeah, the, yeah, yeah, you yeah, drink yeah. that when you right. open a oh shot glass. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it seems to me again, uh, uh, an educated palate. Right. Okay, <laughs> it seems to me that they're just more intense, right. and the mouth feels a little bit different. Right. They give just a little bit to the tooth. Right. Okay. But as you know, we mentioned the word terroir. Right. And we talked about our fresh water. Right. We talked about our southwest wind and right. our abundant phytoplankton. So that would not be unlike talking about the soils. One hundred percent. Terroir is it's it's not just the soil; it's the light, it's the exactly. air, it's everything, and that's what you're exactly. discussing. Exactly, uh, and it's a, you know it has a tremendous. Uh, it all has is tremendously connected. Right. Um, you you know weather and wind and, and and the conditions of the food. Um, they affect the spawning cycles. Sure. Well, I think what's interesting is to me is about these well fleet oysters is that the it seems like you have small collective farms and yes. then there's what you guys do to help just the overall economy with the growth of oysters as you're saying supporting schools and the whole. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a it's, it's a, huge. Yeah. It's a, it, it, it's huge. Well, it's, it, it, it's huge. And um, you know, and as you look out here, I mean, we don't have that much going on. But, uh, you know, we are but a pale imitation of some of our uh, private oyster farms. And uh, I'll catch up with them next year, though. Okay. This is my first year. All right, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure you will. I've been on patrol for a very long time, and, and, I, and I feel 10 years younger. Native up here? You uh, Barnstable. Barnstable. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, cool. I have to tell you, so I always uh, hunt for Wellfleet oysters, uh, not just here. When I'm in New York, I go to... Uh, Blue Ribbon Sullivan Street is one of my favorites. They always have Wellfleets. Oceana always have Wellfleets. But they're like all at the top restaurants in New York City. So I thought this time when I come up here, I'm going to hunt you guys right down. Here, man. And I'm yeah. going to see it and live. And then if you have the chance, yep. sometimes at some of the oyster bars, they'll actually differentiate between Wellfleet Wild okay. and Wellfleet Aquacultural. Right. So that you may find, uh, um, you know, someone with a sensitive or, or educated palate right. may find... Uh, um, some fodder right. there, and there's a, a, a reason for it. As you can see, uh, all these oysters out here are yeah. in containers, and they're off the bottom. Right. Okay. Wild oysters um, are just uh, on the bottom, right. and they grow a little slower. Right. So um, I know that some of my friends who wild fish, and, you right. know, some of the people we police. Right. But you know, it's a small town. We're friends too. Right. You know, <laughs> um, some of some of those people sell to a specific wholesaler. And their niche is what is Wellfleet wild oysters, okay. and so yeah, there's a big cultural difference. Now, some of the aquaculture oysters are bottom grown as well. Okay. Okay, but I, you, you'd never know which one. So if you okay. ever have a chance, and I'm you, going you, to hunt them down. I'm going yeah. to the fancy restaurant over by the harbor. Yeah. The tasting menu. Yeah, tonight. yeah. I'm going to see if they have. Yeah, them. They, yeah, they, yeah. They, but you might find them in, in okay. the city as well. Yeah. And uh, just let and another thing, if I could take this sure. opportunity. Yeah. Uh, 
to thank our consumers, you know, people who consume wild oysters, um, particularly, you know, it, it, in, you know, big urban settings that away from the, away from the, the site. Um, we just, you know, you are such a, a critical length in, in our livelihood. Right. And I just want to, uh, you know, thank you guys for, for consuming our oysters. And uh, if anything, you know, if anyone, any consumers out there, have a question. It's a Wellfleet Shellfish Department. The number's in the phone book. Um, and uh, this is what I'm supposed to do. So if I can ever help you guys, and maybe, you know, but uh, I just, you know, as you're here, just really look at the landscape, yeah. okay? And and, and, and it's the, these oysters are of this place, and that's what it's of. I love it. That's what I'll call it, you Johnny Oysters. Well, that's what, <laughs> Johnny I'm, Clams. I'm selling oysters today. <laughs> right. All right. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. I want to thank Johnny Johnny Clams for this incredible uh, educational uh, moment for me to really figure out this whole oyster game that I've been uh, eating for years and years. And I want to thank Chris for driving me out to the flats. And uh, uh, I'll see you at the bar. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Thanks, and we will speak to you soon. Bye.